um, how it affected me personally. Um, I married the hus- my boyfriend two years after that, how it affected him, how it affected our marriage, how it affected our four children later. I said, you don't understand that you are not making a decision today about whether or not you're going to have a medical procedure done. You are making the decision about whether your baby's going to live or die. And she just started crying, and I said, I need to tell you some true things because you don't understand that abortion is not something that goes away. You will never forget it, and you will have to live with it for the rest of your life. And she just started crying, and, you know, just she said, I just didn't realize how much I needed someone to talk to and someone who understood. I didn't think anybody could understand my situation. And she was just overwhelmed. She was an overwhelmed mom who was seeking an abortion. But after our appointment that day and spending that hour with her, she said, I know that God brought me here today. And she said, can I hug you? And I said, of course. And she gave me probably the biggest hug I've I've had in a long time. And I was able to send her away with a huge case of diapers, thanks to Spirit FM, and lots of boxes of wipes, just to show her that we can help you. We can help you practically through this pregnancy. We can help you until your baby is two. We can help you until the baby that you have now at home is two. Um, and that we're there for you. And I told her, I said, God brought you here today. And not only that, but this was a divine appointment. God sent you to me today because we had so many similar things in common. And those, that's just what the Lord is doing. And I could just share hundreds and hundreds of stories with you, but I want you to understand that lives are being saved um, because of the work being done, and, and you guys are part of that. And I just want to thank you. Um, And he wanted me to share with you a a couple of our upcoming events, and I had this great flyer made, and I left it in my car at home, um, but I can, and my husband drove today, so that's what I'm saying. It's not here, but I will drop them off at the church, so you'll have the dates of of what I'm going to share. But we are preparing right now for our banquet. Uh, September 16th is a Tuesday evening, and we are having our keynote speaker is going to be Carol Everett. She ran three abortion clinics in uh, Texas and was part of over 35,000 abortions. She is going to share with us, this is all before she came to Christ. Um, She has obviously gotten out of the abortion industry, and she is sharing the truth behind uh, what what uh, what the abortion industry does to us, how they target our our children as young as kindergarten in the schools, how they train their uh, their people to answer the phones and sell abortion over the phone. Um, it's an insidious um, industry. It's a billion dollar a year industry, and it's just showing the reality of that, which really shows why our ministry is so critical, why we have got to be the ones to meet these women uh, when they're considering abortion and not, you know, calling these abortion clinics where they're going to be sold in abortion. Uh, anyway, that's taking place. And so if, we, if anybody would like to have, we're trying to get 50 tables of eight people. And if you'd like to um, be a table host and invite, you know, six or eight or seven people to sit at your table, there's no cost involved to that. Um, but you can hear about our ministry that, that evening and hear the update from the previous year. Uh, we're also preparing for our Walk for Life. We're going to do a color run uh, this October 25th. And we're, uh, we're really excited about that. And if, I don't know if any of you all know what that is, but you'll get a lot of colored chalk or thrown on you or something. And it um, should be a lot of fun. But we're really hoping to break our record last year of having over 300 people out there. Um, so we'd love to have as many walkers as possible. Um, just like the baby bottle campaign, these events keep our doors open. 
um, and really just keeps us ministering in the lives of women and men in our community. So if you have any questions, I will have the flyers here, so you'll have them next Sunday. I'm sorry I forgot them today. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always go to our website or call our center. If you'd like a tour of our center and see the inside, um, I'm always willing to do that, so just give me a call at the Pregnancy Center. Again, thank you so much for our, being our partners uh, in saving lives. Thank you. can motivate us to economize, dealing with our faith. Do we have faith to economize? Well, why would a person economize anyway? I think we all have economized some way. I know that when I <clears throat> wanted to buy a Corvette back when I was in my ignorant days, uh, it was back when I was about 20 something years old, uh, we saved and saved and, and, and bought the thing. When we wanted to uh, build our first home, we saved, we saved, we did that. Uh, we can, a person economizes because they want something that's a high priority. That's what they want to do. And sometimes, if you have children, teenagers, if you want them to go to school, you're going to have to probably save or do something for them to go to college or something like that, a private school. So we economize to do that sometimes. I economized in order to eat at one point in time because I didn't have enough to pay the bills plus eat. Uh, so I had to do some things. Also, people get second jobs in order to um, make ends meet in order to have more or to do more. And so that's what I did. I got uh, a grass-cutting job that would give me enough money to eat for a month. So that's what I did. So we, we can economize without uh, using our faith is just our hunger, our desire for something. But I'm talking about today, how can our faith motivate us to economize? Well, if we think about it, faith is something we don't see. Faith is really trust in God. That's what faith is, trusting in God. So if I'm going to trust in God and who he is and what he's done, what he's said, uh, the integrity of his word, all those things that we know how awesome he is as we are singing today, God expects us to trust him to do the things he's asked us to do. And one of the things he's asked us to do that I went over last week, let's turn to Matthew chapter uh, 6. Let's go there again. And I think that um, as we review, we'll add some more things to that. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, <clears throat> when God tells us, do not, what does that mean? <laughs> Don't, right. <laughs> Don't. He doesn't mean it, it isn't a suggestion. No, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, what are treasures? Treasures, uh, when, when you look it up in, in let's say, the Strong's Concordance, it would be 23, 44, the number would be, and you look up in, in, a, in a biblical dictionary type of thing, and it'll tell us that treasures, really, are anything of value that you store up, anything of value that you store up, whether it be money, whether it be things, whether it be anything of that nature. He said, don't do it on earth, because mawful 
eat it. Rust will take care of it. Thieves will break through and steal. So he said, lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor thieves will break through and steal. But then he makes a statement. And I think the statement is something that we need to really learn and get down in our hearts. He said in the next verse, verse 21, for or because, I'm saying all this to say because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that's a, that's a profound statement that God is making. Now, we know that God looks on the heart, doesn't he? he he's concerned about the heart. So if he says that where your treasure is, there your, there your heart will be also, obviously God does not, if he says do not to begin with, he's saying I don't want your heart to be in anything else except me. That's what he wants. So he says that I don't want you to do that. Then he makes another statement down in the latter, latter part of the uh, verses down there. He says in verse 24, you can't serve two masters. You either hate the one or love the other, or vice versa. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. And we told you last week that mammon was basically the personification of wealth or riches or, or money. It's really anything of value. Anything. So now we're not talking about storing up because that's what treasure is. But if you own an automobile, it's a value. If you own anything, it's a value. That is what personification of mammon is. It's just personifying or acting like mammon is really a person, but it's not. It's not a God. But it's saying that anything that you own is a value. I don't want you to serve that. You can't serve me and serve that. That's what he's saying. I don't care if it's your house, your car, I don't care what it is. You can't serve me, God saying, and that, those things. So then he says, from down, down below that, I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat because that's our first thought. What, what am I going to eat? If I give to the Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center, uh, I, I don't have much money. I, I'm just making this. I'm just making it. I can't give any more than I'm already giving. So what, what, how am I going to do this thing? You know, she talked about $30,000, $10,000, all those type of things. And then we said, well, how can we give more? And if I asked you, I said, we want to give more. And you said, well, how can I give any more? Because I have bills, I have things that I'm paying for. Well, he says that I don't want you to take thought or worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Then he goes and tells the birds and the lilies of the field and all those type of things. Then he tells us down a little, uh, little, down a little further, he says that in verse 30, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So he's saying that we got to have faith. Don't you realize that if you, don't, if you don't have a closed budget, don't worry about it. If now you have neglected your closed budget to give. You see, it's a difference now if I want to say, hey, I don't have any uh, clothes because I, I bought this new thing that they advertise. No, no, no. He's not talking about that now. He's talking about laying up treasures in heaven. That's what he's talking about. 
So he says, don't worry about all these little things. And he could add a lot of other things, couldn't he? Couldn't he? he could add a, a, a horse. He could add a mule. He could add a car. He could add anything he wanted to add. He said, don't, I don't want you to worry about those things. Then he says something that I think that we, I don't think we really understand. He says in verse 32, for the Gentiles, let's put it this way, for the ones who are not born again yet, which we all were not at one time, eagerly seek all these things. All of them. They seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So your heavenly Father knows you need food. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need something to drink. He knows you need something um, to drive. He knows all these things. But he says, I want you to seek first my kingdom. I want you to seek my righteousness. Then he says, and all, and all these things will be added to you. And you want to say, well, how is he going to do this thing? Is he going to rain down an automobile? Is he going to, what is he going to do? How is he going to do this thing? Well, you, that's not our concern, is it? It's really not. How did he supply food for the birds? Did he rain down worms? No, not really. It really, what, how he provided for them, he already put into motion in the beginning. You remember he said in Genesis that, that he rested on the seventh day. Everything was good. He already provided. He has already provided for us all these things. These things exist. Everything you have need of exists. He can get it to you. When you are doing what he's asked you to do, he'll make sure you get it to him because he is a God that shall not lie. Uh, he's not going to do that. He's not going to repent and say, well, you know what? I made a mistake. I told you that all these things were added, but I didn't know that, I didn't know that you, you know, I, I thought I could get a car, but I can't get a car. <laughs> God can get anything he wants to get. Can't he? He can raise up children to Abraham, uh, for, that's what he said, from the rocks, couldn't he? He can make dry bones have flesh on it and raise up an army that died in a valley. He can raise up army, can't he? He can do anything he wants to do. He can create a, a, a person if he wants to create a person. It already did that. He can do anything. But I don't know whether you believe God is awesome, awesome enough, as Virgil was singing and the choir was singing. I don't know whether you think he's really good enough to be able to do all those things. I think sometimes we sing songs, and they say, man, they had a good beat to it. Man, I can rock on that thing. And we don't even realize that, hey, is it true or not true? We're supposed to be singing what is true, <laughs> the word of God. So is it true or is it not true? Well, we should have faith then to economize. Because I told you last week that we're not um, Donald Trump. We're not uh, anybody who have all these billions of dollars, are we? It would be great if we were. Uh, uh, this fellow, is it Donald Sterling or whoever he is that, uh, that I told you about last week that, that purchased, uh, that sold the, the Clippers, L.A. Clippers, uh, for $2 billion. We're not the person who, who purchased it either. <laughs> If, if it were so, we could say, hey, Laura, well, do you need a, a, a million? 
when they find him, Mr. Sterling, 2.5 million, you know what the commentators said? They said, that's chump change to him. That's like, <laughs> chump change is, is the word. It's, um, it's, like, it's like what people do, uh, these teenagers especially, uh, not me, but the teenagers, what they do is <laughs> if, if, if they pay cash for something and somebody give them, a, let's say it's cost 98 cents, and, and somebody give them two pennies back, they'll flip it on, on the ground. I don't know how many pennies I've found on the ground. And pennies are pennies. I mean, you add them up, they're, they're, they're money, you know. But see, to a teenager, what am I going to do with a penny? What am I going to do with two cents? What is he going to do? He's a multi-billionaire. What is he going to do with 2.5? It's not going to hurt him. 2.5 billion. That's not, uh, 2.5 million. That's nothing. That's nothing to a multi-billionaire. And I said, man, gosh, what? Just one million will take care of this building. <laughs> And all of us could use a little money, couldn't we? But we don't have that. So we can't give to, uh, I wish we could give to, I wish we could give to you, Lord. I wish we could give to you a million dollars. Uh, but we can't, okay? But can we give more? Well, you said we can, but, uh, but it sounds good in church, but when it, when it gets right down to it, you don't give. Why don't you give? We don't give because we don't have it to spare. We don't have it to spare because we haven't economized. We haven't thought about that. Have you ever thought about having a savings account for giving? Just for giving. Not for uh, your property tax that comes up. Not for all, uh, you know, emergencies that come up. You'll need tires on your car uh, pretty soon. Or you're going to have, have to have them sometime. It's not for those type of emergencies. Just account to give. So when, 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 when somebody says, okay, hey, this is an opportunity to give, and God has pricked in your heart that, hey, I need to give to that. You can pull out of your savings account money to give. See, that is something that uh, I know Minerva has talked to me about. Hey, that's what we need, a savings account so that we can be able to give. Anytime somebody says, hey, let's do this, we can give. Oh, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? I'm going to show you a video here in a minute, but before I show you a video, uh, Laura, folks, come up. I want Laura to share with you. Uh, we were talking about it because she does announcements with uh, Daisy, and um, this was, I think, last week or something like that. And I said, well, Laura, um, uh, we're going to talk about economizing. I said, you know what it means? And you said, well, I'll tell me. And so I said, okay, this is what it means. He said, oh, we did that. Well, tell us about it. Well, Lloyd and I were um, just looking for a way to give more. We knew God had laid it on our heart. And so we said, um, well, let's see where we can give. And one of the areas, we had already given up our landline, which um, took, you know, gave us a little more to give. And we gave. And so we knew it was more God was calling us to. And he had laid it on both of our hearts to give up the cable. And... Um, he laid it on our hearts several times <laughs> before we were obedient to it. But um, we, we did, um, you know, it's a sacrifice to the flesh, and, you know, we, we really benefited from it in the spirit. But we, um, it freed up a big chunk of our finances and our time to be able to give more to God. So 
we got opportunity to give. Um, it was when Clem Ferris was in, and um, there was a, a basket at the back or whatever, and and we gave more than we usually do. We, you know, we just listen to the Spirit and we hear what God says and we agree and we give. So we did, and that very same week, um, we got a check in the mail from the doctor's office that Lloyd had gone to three years before. <laughs> and that's that was just so God that, you know, that money had been, he didn't have insurance then, and so we were paying out of pocket for him to go to the doctor, and um, I guess we overpaid or something. So just the coincidence that the check came the very same week that we heard God and were obedient. And it reminded me of the scripture, if you hearken diligently, which pastor gave a message on that not that long ago, in, well, in January, I think. But if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord and do what he says, he'll cause blessings to come down on you. And, you know, that's what we did. We heard him. We did what he said. And not for the blessing, but to be a blessing. But that's the way God operates. He opened a window and a blessing came back to us. So we were able to give even more. So. I don't know really whether we really believe that or not, that God is true to his word. How can we have faith to economize? We can have faith because God said it. We have faith because God is who he said he is. God does not lie. The integrity of God's word is very important. Let me, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go there, uh, chapter 8, just for a little bit. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is telling us about the church at Macedonia and the saints there, how they wanted to be a blessing. And the backdrop of that, we're going we're gonna to start probably, we'll, we'll start somewhere there, but let me, let me give, me a, give you a, a backdrop. Macedonians were ravaged by civil war. They had people against, in the same area, uh, against each other. You know how civil war was in the United States. You have a lot of deaths. You have poverty. And they even uh, asked the government to give them a freedom from taxation because they were so poor because of the war that had happened there. And they got it because they were really poor. But then when, when, when Paul came by there to, to uh, talk to them about the saints in Jerusalem that needed help, the Macedonians said, I want to help. And Paul said, hey, you, you can't afford to help. You really can't afford to help because you're in deep poverty yourself. And they said, no, 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 no. We beg you, give us the opportunity to give. Now, they are sort of like the widow woman who didn't have much, but what she did have, she was willing to give. How many of us have faith in God that he will do what he says? 
He said, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and he will repay you. So do we really believe that? Do we really believe that if we are helping, let's say, the Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center uh, or the trafficking that we showed you last week, do you really believe that these are people who can't help themselves? Do you really believe that God is not going to help you? No, he says, you owe you a little faith. I will help you just seek my kingdom, seek my righteousness. I'll give you all these things, but you're going to have to step out on faith. See, faith is, is the substance of those things not seen. You know, it, it's, you, know you, you, go, you don't see it. You don't see the answer to your prayer. You don't see where your needs are going to be met. But I'm telling you, it will be met. Just like the, uh, the woman who was crying out for help, and she was not even a, 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 a Jew. She was not from Israel, and, and so... God sent the man of God, the prophet up there, to say, look, uh, you sustain me. Because Ahab, he's looking for me, and so the brook dried up and all like that, so you, you help me. And she said, I don't have enough. I just have a little, little, little oil, a little um, bread meal to make a, two little cakes, and then I die. And he said, well, that's fine, but make me one first. See, God had already told, told her that I'm going to send somebody and, and it's going to meet your need. But see, she was thinking, how is he going to meet my need and he's taken from me? That's what we think. God meets our needs by us giving. And so I told God, God, we have a great need because we, we, we have to pay this mortgage and, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, stretch here. Matter of fact, uh, we're very, very, very stretched. And as you know, uh, it's hard to pay it every, every month. Uh, so, how can, I can't keep asking you, hey, look, if you don't, if you don't give, what's going to happen? We're going to lose the building. How many times, have you heard that before? Yeah, I've told you that before. I told you that about a year or two ago. I told you that, that we have, we had about 6,000, 7-some thousand in, in uh, savings when we came in this building, but it, 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 it took about 26,000 every year from our savings to make up the difference to pay the mortgage. And I say it's going to run out. I told you that last year. We ran out. <laughs> it ran out. But I told you also that we're not going to lose the building because God is not going to allow it. So I'm asking God, just like Moses did at the Red Sea, well, God, I, 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 I held up. You know, I told the people, look, you know, uh, God is, is going to provide for us. I told him that. You brought us to this Red Sea. What you going to do? He told Moses, get up and hold your staff up. Well, the only thing he's telling me to do, do what I said in the Word. Whatever I told you to do in the Word, do that as a church. Give. I said, well, how can I get them to give? They won't give any more than they've already given. He said, just present it for, to them, and you just give by faith. Now, how can you give what you don't have? We have a little bit, so we'll give what we got. Okay, that's all we can do, give what we got. And now, if I do that and neglecting what saving, I said, I could, I could, God, if we can't even pay it, how am I going to give Blue Ridge Pregnancy no more? How am I going to give to trafficking? How am I going to give to this other uh, clean water? How am I going to do that? Just do it by faith. Do you think that he was on, he's going to meet our needs? I believe he will. I believe he will. And that's what he did for the Macedonians. 
in verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So it's telling me that God is not looking at what we don't have. He's only looking at what we have. He's not looking at what you don't have. He's looking at what you have. So he said, give what you have. And if we go back just a little bit, we'll see what the Macedonians said about that. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 8, it says, this is 2 Corinthians, it says, My brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given to the churches at Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. That's what it says. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Begging us will much urging for the favor to participate in the support of the saints. That's people in poverty. They're begging. Let's see the video. It's about a two-minute video. Let's look at that. You can cut all the lights off. This is Dothy. She lives in Madagascar and doesn't have access to clean water. Last year, a stay-at-home mom in Texas almost picked up the phone to help support a new water well in Dauphine's village. This is Rosa. She lives in a tiny village in Central America. Rosa and her children drink water that looks like this. A couple of months ago, a small business owner in the Midwest almost mailed in a check to drill a clean water well near Rosa's house. This is Vaughn. He's from Cambodia, and he's watched his grandchildren suffer from the effects of a waterborne illness. Last week, a Sunday school class in a large church talked about doing a fundraiser to help ease the pain in Vaughn's family. Dauphine's son almost made it to his fifth birthday. Rosa's baby almost made it through the night. Vaughn's grandchild was almost well enough to leave the clinic. We can do better than almost. Clean water changes everything.
you might want to say, why are you presenting so many things before us? You know, you bring um, Laura Mitchell back in. You bring um, traffic in to us last week. Now clean water. Uh, I'm not finished. <laughs> it's just some more things. You say, well, how can we do all that if, if, if you know we're here? Do you care? Yes, I care. I care so much that I want to be obedient to God. Because I believe that God wants us to cast our bread upon men of waters. Because that's what it says. I think that he wants us, at least that's what I see, see in the scriptures. He says that, um, well, you visited, you visited me when I was in prison. And he said, well, when did we do that? Well, see, we, um, my, my family, we used to give to a, a prison ministry. Uh, but we don't now. Uh, and... and it just came back to me, well, do you care about those who are incarcerated? Do you care about the people who have ministers to prisons? Because there are people who were born again in prison. I'm, I'm truly born again. There are men who read the Bible and, and they fake it, but there are, there are plenty who get born again. And then come out and do great works for God. Are we a part of that? Are we a part of things that, that God has his hand on? And he didn't tell us how much to give. He just said, give. Can we do that? I believe we can. And so that's what I'm challenging uh, us with as a church. And it's, it's up to us as elders to step out and say, okay, we're going to lead the congregation into this. This is what we're going to do. And you can choose to get involved. You can choose not to. But I believe that our congregation has a congregation, is a congregation that wants to get involved. You know, I really do. And not just giving. Uh, we have other things that we, we plan to do that's just service-oriented. But you can't give anything today, next week, the week after that when we close up, because um, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to lay it before you, and then as I pray about it and see what God happens to do, then I'll present to you at the, at the closing of the series, I'll present to you something that, a culminating activity that we will do. Just like we did when we got involved with the, uh, you remember I brought Gleaning for the World in? And you said, well, whatever happened to that? We always start something, we don't do anything with it. No, you remember I told you that we want to give to Gleaning to, to, uh, Glean to the World for um, the Philippine disaster that was happening. We gave about $1,000 to it. And it was you, some of you participated. But we said, well, we're going to give it anyway. Because that's what I believe that God would have us to do to bless you. So even if you didn't participate, you did participate. <laughs> because anything that you give to the, to the uh, offering, we have to take from the offering and do things with it uh, that God would have us to do. And giving is one of them. So uh, that's what we do. So... Uh, Continue to give. Next week is going to be a, a message just for the fathers, which, of course, always includes everybody.